Hello, and welcome back to Free Reeling It, a movie podcast with your two friends watching movies and talking about movies. I'm one of the friends. My name is Matthew, and I'm joined by the other friend. His name is Jesse. Jesse, how are you? Hello. I had dinner tonight, and I think that's important to establish um, before we start talking about this film. Agreed. Agreed. We, we, we both achieved something that none of the characters in this film could achieve food was consumed which is eating a meal um so yes uh so this time out we are discussing the 1972 film from noted surrealist louise bunuel it is called the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie and so i I've seen this movie a lot. Um, what do we classify very, as a lot? Like, is it stalker a lot or is it a different kind of a lot? Uh, it's, it's, I've, I think I've seen it more times than I've seen stalker. Oh, so that is a lot. But when I, it is, it is, it, it is a film. I actually, this is going to sound real weird, but I had to sneak watch it a lot. Um, because uh, with, my ex-wife like she liked to watch movies as well but she didn't like to watch she didn't like to repeat movies so Mm. whenever i was sitting down to watch a movie that i had seen before she it would become it wouldn't become like an argument but i was just like we've already seen that can't we just watch something else and then it becomes the it becomes the discussion of well you can on repeat viewings you can get different things blah 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 um and ultimately, like, I'd have to kind of wait till I have the house to myself to watch this movie. Um, but uh, it is kind of, it, it, in the arc of, of Bunuel's career, like, he'd been making movies since the 20s. But uh, the man had kind of a roller coaster life where long stretches of his life, he was exiled from his home country, which is Spain. Uh, which is why he's making a film in France <laughs> and starring a bunch of French folks. Uh, he also was exiled in Mexico for a while where he made a bunch of films there, but almost all of them have the same sort of signposts where they, they're they not 100% grounded in reality. Sometimes they're grounded in dreams and he definitely plays with, uh, with, elements of like time and narrative and almost all of it is on some level rooted in his surrealist uh youth i guess he'll say because he was part of the uh the surrealists that are that emerged out of spain uh, that included salvador dali and, and several others and yeah i had to sneak watch this this is your first time seeing it this Correct. is my yeah. This is my first time seeing it, and I is it your first Boonwell film? Yeah, I think so too. I don't know any of okay. the other ones he's really made. Um, okay, I think I think you were concerned that I wasn't gonna like it. I, I'm definitely I'm all like this, and uh, there are several of my like my I'll say like my non on my top ten favorites. I'm always afraid that when I show them to somebody or tell them about, they're gonna just kind of walk away going yep yeah, matt's crazy again so so what'd you think 
Well, okay, so I gotta clarify something because we tried to clarify this in Discord, and I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what you're puzzling out. You asked me if I watched the right one. Uh, I no, no, I didn't. Oh, no, what'd you say? No, 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 no. I here, uh, let's. I'm gonna queue up. The, I'm gonna queue up the conversation. Okay, maybe I misread, um, and that's why I was so confused. So, <laughs> so on July 30th, it is August 4th today. Yeah, it took us a minute uh, to get to this one. Jesse sends me Matthew so I respond Jesse what movie did you have me watch lol oh that's what that's what the confusion was you thought I was talking about actually what movie and I was I was talking about this one hold hold on I'm I'm, judge please let me finish the testimony here um me ha 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 and you it was good but it took a solid 20 minutes to figure out the gimmick and then i said with your question i know you watched the right one okay see, see that's what i was confused about when you said with that question i know you watched the right one what was the other options and you, you well that that was it was it was me just sort of playing with what movie did you have me watch so like oh that's how i know you watched the right one okay the one the one that confused it um Gotcha. But then you said, then you misinterpreted that and said there was different versions of this, and I said, yeah, kind of. But then I that was a so me going off on my bullshit definitely confused you even more. You ever seen because, that movie Lost in Translation? This is nothing like that, but this is that title. That's no, yeah, that title. Say, <laughs> but so funny thing, uh, two Boonwell films are very much in this vein one is called the phantom of liberty and one is called the exterminating angel um angel sounds like the coolest action movie yeah it is it's not that but it's 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 way cooler to me um but the phantom of liberty you could definitely draw a straight line between that and the movie slacker okay yeah Um, i can see that exterminating angel is the inverse of this where it's a dinner party happening but nobody can leave so and then and then at this point in the conversation you're like explain yourself <laughs> and you're like you there's said, nothing to explain here I and then you said and all. then you said interesting well you gave me the title so i watched that one and i'm like explain myself i guess i mean i'm not sure how i'd watch the wrong one i go you watch the screen charm of the bourgeoisie right that is the correct one as far as i know unless i watched the wrong one <laughs> and so then, anyways, you and you're like, that, "Yep, that's what I watched." So, so you can see our planning is chaotic. Um, yes, I like this movie. That, that's, that's the simple answer. I really like this okay. one. Um, as I said before, I was very confused for the first twenty minutes because I was like, "Where, where are we going? Like, what are we doing here? What, are, where are we? What do we? What do we want out of this?" With Stalker, I kind of had an idea going into it, and with like Les Samurai, like. I'm just picking out like random movies you have me watch that are ones that are off my beaten path. Like, sure, I knew kind of going into these movies what they were, and like Samurai, like in the first like ten minutes, you know exactly what's going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you, this man is slick. This man's blah, blah blah. Well, this you're like, I what? A, they keep on getting interrupted. People are waking up from dreams. What's happening? <laughs> um, and then and then I realized there was a pattern for me. Mm-hmm. And then once I saw the pattern, I go, oh. I didn't know this was satire. Like I got that it was satire like quite fast after that. And I think that's the key is like, if you go into this knowing it's a satire of just something, you don't have to know what this is a satire of, but it's just satire of something. It's satire, yeah. uh, satirizing something. I think that really helps you like grab onto things faster. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the time you reach the end of it, you're like, oh, oh this is just satirizing the rich and the powerful. At the, and the, by like the halfway point, you kind of figure that part out too. Um, but I, I mean, the the main gimmick of this movie is no one gets to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> like like action happens, things happen, but oh, yeah, no they're... one no one is successful fully in anything. Even the most successful people are failing. You know what I mean? Like the, mm-hmm. I think the biggest example of this is the assassination attempt on uh, one of the main characters. Yes. Well, he successfully survives that assassination attempt, but he wasn't the one starting the action. It was the assassin, right? So like, yep. that's the reason, that's the only way that this thing can work is they can't initiate the action, mm-hmm. only can be reciprocal of the action. Like they all, spoilers again for this movie, they all die at the end in this movie. I mean, it's a dream, but they all die at the end of this movie. And that's not because the killers are like, trying to kill them it's because they're trying to eat and they get interrupted again by killers yep they get interrupted they get interrupted by robbers yeah <laughs> and, uh, so and yeah, and yeah. So, okay so i first watched this movie um because of roger ebert's book uh the great movies um like or at least the first volume of it the re and the reason i like and when i saw that book and i started looking through it i'm like oh i've seen a lot of these and there are tons here that i've not seen because i don't remember how many essays are in that but there there are a few or quite a few this was in that one i believe it was either it might have this this might have actually been in the second one i'm misremembering but when i found the 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 first version i actually said okay i'm going to look at the movies i have seen and i'm going to watch the ones i haven't and then read the essays just to see like just to just like gain more context or or understand you know what a noteworthy film critic would say about them and when I finally got around to seeing this and then reading his essay, I just found myself nodding the entire time. Um, and it wasn't so much like, it, 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 like I never, like when Roger Ebert was alive and writing movie reviews, I would read his work. Uh, did I take his work as gospel the way some movie fans around me did? No. Um, because I would all I, I almost always had super huge problems with uh, his extreme, his more extreme movie reviews. Like if, if he would if he would give something four stars, I'd almost always knew I would come out of it with uh, a strong emotional response. And if it was uh, if it was like a, a one or even a no stars, because I think he gave Pink Flamingos no stars, I would usually come out hard opposite, not just because I thought he was wrong for whatever reason, uh, but just because it's all subjective and reading criticism of any kind is almost a conversation, except the person who published the writing doesn't necessarily get to have active responses in said conversation. Um, yeah, totally. But but what I found, what I what I find the most uh, magnetic about this film is not just putting these six individuals into new situations, new scenarios where all they have they 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 all have one job to eat a meal, 
Yeah, it's all the 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 entire goal of this movie is to become Brad Pitt in the Ocean's movies. That's the entire point of this movie. Yeah, like they just want to eat, and then when you throw a little bit of a wrench in that, well, it could be a big wrench, depending. But it's seeing how they respond when things don't happen according to plan. And I mean, it's the, the movie starts out very easily like it's 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 for they walk they walk up to uh the the seneschals place and the seneschals are um stefan audron and jean-pierre cassell aka vincent cassell's dad um and it is fernando ray the villain in the french connection uh paul francoeur uh, Delphine Seyrig, who I am kind of in love with. And I don't know how to say this name, but I, I want to say it's Boule Ogier. And they just walk up because this is the night they were supposed to have dinner. But Stéphane Aldron, Alice Seneschal, is like, nope, you, it's tomorrow night. What are y'all doing here? We don't have anything ready for you. So they all decide to just go to a restaurant locally they're like oh there's a good place nearby let's just go there and uh elise is like nope i'm in my i'm in my evening clothes which is you know definitely a signifier of class in this one because like i i've never known anyone to have evening clothes in my life and i not that i'm middle class or i'm definitely suburban no no my Um, evening clothes are like changed into a beat-up t-shirt and stop wearing pants I mean, when I was still dating after my divorce, I had one woman say, well, I the no bra rules in effect. I'm like, what's that? She's like, well, I've taken my bra off. That means I'm in for the night. I'm like, yeah. oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but then, then, you know, the action sort of escalates because they go to this restaurant and the, the, the person who greets them is like, oh, we're under new management. And then you hear crying in another room and apparently the manager has just died. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's just like, when you lay it out like that, it's just, it, like, I feel like this movie would be hard for anybody to act, like accurately critique in a way of that's meaningful. And uh, maybe it's just because like, I'm not, I'm not that kind of critic that should write yeah. about these movies or talk about these movies in some ways. Anybody could talk about any movie. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, sure. to get the full critique of it all. But to me, I think for especially an American audience, the the comedy of this movie because the movie is very funny. It, like, it is really mm. funny, but it's, it's hilarious. But it's so dry. It's the driest like French you can ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's only a few times where it's like slapsticky like it's it's just very very dry but so funny in that way like the scene where they and this is this is probably me coming from like an acting background in high school and stuff is okay. the scene where they, they go to have dinner again and they realize they're on stage and no one can remember what lines they're having uh no one can remember what they need to say or anything and the stage fright sets in that was like that was hilarious to me because mm-hmm. it was such a bizarre situation to be in. And I know that feeling of fear. And it's like, these 
pompous people. This man just survived an assassination attempt and tried to sleep with his guy's wife within three minutes. And now he's scared to be on stage because he can't remember a line. Um, like all like that stuff to me is really good. And I really like that mm-hmm. stuff. And I think though, though, for like a Western audience is the idea of the dryness of it all, because I think Blazing Saddles is a very good satire too. Um, yes. It's a satire of the West. It's a satire of um, Hollywood in some ways. It's a sat- mm-hmm. it's just, it's a very good satire. Mel Brooks is really good early satire stuff. Um, sure. His later stuff is less satire, more just goof. Um, yeah. But that movie is whole, like laugh out loud hilarious for everybody because it, it punches really hard at everything. While mm-hmm. this movie just doesn't swing. It just kind of <laughs> sits there and let, lets you examine it the whole time. Like um, this movie, like this is like a, this is a very naked movie. I think is the way I'm thinking of it. It's like, it's not trying to dress anything up. It's just what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, you have Mel Brooks, like playing the mayor and blazing Saddles, cross-eyed and staring at women's chest and going like, Oh, I'm the mayor. Like that's very yeah. dressed up <laughs> satire in a lot of ways to me. Or in history really of the punchy. world part one, where he's like, it's good to be the king. Yeah. So I think that's why some people maybe bounce off this real hard. And I think um, whenever you say, Oh, this movie's brilliant. Like if, if I was like 22 or uh, just like starting in like this love of film and someone came to me and said this movie's brilliant and I figured it out like how this was going to play out within 10 minutes I'd be like what are we talking about here like this isn't like challenging to me it's, and it's less of, it's not trying to be challenging it's just trying to be like this is just the situation and like isn't this ridiculous yes and I think I think you're see this is where this I'm, I'm not like trying to I think you're kind of part of the way there does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. Um, like, jump because off on me. I think I think I think one of the things that um, I hear a lot of people say about this particular movie, and I've I actually I used to listen to um, several like podcasts that were going through the Criterion Collection, and like and the one common the the, the thing while well, the reason why I didn't really. I didn't really continue listening because I, I mean, I kept at it for a while where I, but usually I would just listen to the episodes of the films I had seen because trying to, trying to get Criterion films pre-streaming and even sometimes, a lot of the times pre-Criterion channel or pre-Filmstruck, like it was just expensive. So trying to keep up with all of it, it, it was just, it was, it's a fool's errand unless, unless, you know, you're not collecting vinyl like I was. Um, but the one common thing that all of those individuals approached the, the, the films in the Criterion Collection is they kind of just looked at it and expected all of the answers to be on the screen. Yeah. And while I don't think that's incorrect, I think it's, I think it's, there's, there's a certain amount of tunneling that, go, that, that happens there. Because expecting all of the answers to be in this film is kind of, I don't want to say it's, it's, it misses the point, but I don't think you're going to get uh, a lot. I don't think you're going to get what you want out of that approach. Do I think you need to read like a history of the surrealist movement to, to get an influence? No, I don't think you do. I don't think you need to, uh, understand uh Bunuel's relationship to postmodern thought or the or or anything i think you kind of have to step outside of what's on the screen and think about 
what's happening situationally because almost all of these little vignettes they're strung together by a very thin story yeah a very very thin story that goes as silly places as the film is surrealist and absurd but i think all of it is just like well what happens when uh, our perception of the bourgeoisie doesn't get what they want and you see them it's it's just kind of like i almost see this as an idea for or an exercise for an improv improv troupe like i could see that go i could see this going that way probably not be as dry in that scenario but more often than not it's just like okay we have all these people of privilege that have all of this vanity and all of these social niceties that are dictated by their strata of society well let's just throw let's just throw rocks at that glass house and see and and see what happens and see how we can get them to react yeah totally and i think the real statements from bunuel about the the bourgeoisie um come in come in those reactions like like he he his there's commentary on how vain these motherfuckers are throughout there's commentary on how uh what what just happened you're good on my end uh what is, um my audacity just stopped working well we have the we have the zoom so very good we'll just we'll just use the zoom recording okay i'll have to i'll have to figure this out so i'm just going to close out my audacity i yeah, apologize you're good let me, um, let me close out mine so it's just not running like that <laughs> um let me know if you but, lose my audio though i mean i still hear you just fine i would just i just got a notice from audacity saying yeah we're not doing this anymore <laughs> we have decided to quit yeah yeah no See, this is this is this is this movie. It's just throwing a wrench at your plans and seeing how you react. Well, luckily for me, I can adapt them like these bourgeoisie that tend to just run out of whatever situation they're in. Am I still coming in for you? Yeah, you're you you sound fantastic. Well then that's um, they have their own suppression mic stuff. So I'm not gonna stress about the computer sound anymore. Cool. So wouldn't it be funny if this was the gag, like of this episode, as we just kept on having mic issues and we kept on talking about it, but no one can notice because we have good audio. Yeah, that'd be dope. That'd be dope. I'm gonna this leave this po- in so people po- now think it's a gag. That's fine. The podcast would never end though. No, um but until we got it, shot. That's some of us. Yeah, until until us. we get shot and basically I blow our cover by reaching for a piece of meat. Um, quick question though before we get back to your point about the okay. ending he wakes up from a dream right and someone comes mm-hmm. to check on, in on him at the end of that and that's yes. kind of how the movie ends is them again going to dinner um is is that again i sometimes i lose track when i'm watching uh um especially french films because everybody just sounds so similar to me um mm-hmm. in those movies but Who's the character that comes to wake him up? I, like for some reason, I like, believe I believe it's Fernando. We're talking about Fernando Ray's character, correct? Yeah, yeah. I believe it's his driver. Okay, because I'm like, are we to now assume that he's gay and he has like a gay lover? Like that's why my brain went for some yeah. reason. On that. No, I th- I think I think it I think it is actually the driver. Okay, um, back to back to the point though. But my point here, my point is basically that all of these little vignettes are just thought experiments in terms of um well their thought experiments pushed up against what 
Bunuel and his writer. I'm trying, I think it's, who wrote it? Who Jean-Claude Carrier or Carrier um, basically would say, okay, well, we have these bourgeoisie that are kind of vain and hollow and just dictated by social niceties. What happens when we interrupt dinner this way? What do they do? And they just sort of wrote around that idea. Now, uh, luckily for the rest of us, you know, we had Fernando Ray, Paul Francoeur, Delphine Serig, Stefan, Stephanie Audron, Boul Ogier, and Jean-Pierre Cassel that could go with this idea uh, with, you know, kind of an adept rhythm. And I also really like how everybody is focused so selfishly on themselves and I think I think Boonwell sends this up really nicely when they go back to the Seneschals for a lunch and uh uh the Seneschals uh they need to they need to get down to bone town and they're like oh crap we're supposed to have lunch with them well let's just run into the forest and have sex real quick and instead of them engaging in the social nicety of waiting patiently uh, Fernando Ray and Paul Francoeur have decided that uh, uh, Mr. Seneschal, Henri Seneschal, has decided to drop dime on their cocaine operation, so they need to get out of there before the cops show up. Um, and s- spoiler alert, they, they don't eat. And then when uh, everyone, co- or when uh, the Seneschals come back, they're like, where is everybody? Oh, they left. And they're like, huh, wonder what happened there. But the vanity runs so deep where the, um, he's a bishop, Monsieur Dufour, uh, played by Julien Bartheau. He's a bishop who has this idea that he's going to be a gardener. And he's waiting to be greeted by, or greeted by the Seneschals. And he's like, is that your gardener shed? And the, 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 the maid, um, Milena Vukatic says, oh yeah, that's our, that's, that's our gardener. He was, I think he was fired last week. So the bishop decides he's going to do some gardening. He goes out, completely changes and comes back in to say, oh, hey, uh, I, I wanted to talk to you guys about something. And they're like, who's this man? And and the maid Inez is like this is the bishop. It's like he's not a bishop. He's a gardener. And I'm like, what in the world of assassination trilogy is this? This is basically a hitman skit. This whole like, this, this whole movie is just a failed hitman level. Like this is how hitman works because he goes back out, puts on the bishop garb, comes back in, and was like, oh bishop, how are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> what in the world and it, that scene gets me every time i still like it i still love it even though i know it's coming um but yeah it's th- th- these people are so fucking vain and uh and as much as i as, as much as i hate the bourgeoisie i do love these characters because i hate them <laughs> well i think that's that's i think that's how you can that's uh... I feel like that's the only way you can do satire that lasts at least is making characters that are likable in in at least some way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a lot lot of satire that doesn't age well anymore because the characters are just so unlikable and so atrocious that you're like, 
I don't have the time for this. I mean, I think that's why Always Sunny works so well, right? Is like those characters mm-hmm. are awful, but you love them. You absolutely want to hang out with them at some points because they're oh, just yeah. so awful, but fun. Um, I mean, that's I think, probably why Seinfeld is still like yeah. pretty good as well, too. And same thing with Curb and everything, because because all of that in, in like its like core essence is a satire of just these people mm-hmm. and these situations that they're falling into. Um, I mean, the, I think the core premise of a sitcom is unlikable people in situations that you kind of like, though. Um, yeah. Unless you're doing family sitcoms, that's a bit different. Um, yeah. I mean, like, again, the worst example of this, but it's the best example of this, Big Bang Theory is a bunch of characters that everybody loves to hate on but it had so many viewers because people also kind of just wanted to see what happened with them Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think i think for this movie too i think one of the other reasons why it's so good for me and might be not good for other people is it's a one joke satire that lets you know what the joke is really early on but it's so relentless of not changing it Mm -hmm. even when you think it's going to yeah and like there's other situations that make it funny and different in that way too. But I think about back again, Blazing Saddles, because I think it's like, well, one, it's one of the first things that came to my mind earlier, but I think it's a really nice contrast to this by a director that also understands what they're going for with commentary on the society at the moment of mm-hmm. the main joke of Blazing Saddles is these people are dumb. Like they're just dumb and they don't realize how dumb they are. And we can, we can we can win because or we can we can become successful in this society of these dumb people um yes and for this movie it's very much like these rich people who think they have everything in the world can't have a simple meal or can't have a simple affair or can't have a simple murder or like like all these things that they like should be so easy for them because they're rich and powerful they just can't have it yeah um i think one of the one of the other things is like this movie was made and I, at least from my understanding, like the years and stuff, I don't, don't quote me on being a, a historian of world history other than America. Cause that's just how our society here is. Um, sure. But like the era that this is in is like, man, we got to behead people again. <laughs> like we, mm-hmm. like we got to get to that point again. And that's how it's feeling with a lot of these characters. Like these people just want them out for blood and I find it so fascinating that all these assassination attempts and all these like kind of weird coups and stuff don't succeed. It's the robbers that succeed. Mm-hmm. It's the people that have no moral high ground for what they're doing other than they just want to rob. They're the ones that succeed at the end. Yep. Um, and I think having that little like how the only way you beat the rich is also be like a, a just a straight up criminal at times is uh is an interesting statement, I think. I don't know, again, it's one of those things where like I can't ask uh louis if like that's like the thing is like hey, was this what you were talking about um but i do think that's an interesting thing to take away from this is like the only way we ever see the rich like lose something or um kind of get their their what's the word come up it's like is the best way right is mm-hmm. by another worse criminal in some way it's like yeah it's never like justice it's usually like this person like gets hacked or this person gets like killed like murdered or something like that like actually like mm-hmm. viciously something bad happens to them yeah um and i just think that's very interesting because that's such a real life thing but it's in this it's a joke <laughs> yep and i mean i had a pretty severe obsession with bunuel for a few years 
And like I read his autobiography, which is still one of the better autobiographies I I've read. It's one I, I've read it three times, and I think it's just I think it's just a lovely bit of reading. It's not very long either, um, but it's called My Last Sigh, and he kind of it's kind of just the way he thought. Like his films, more than most others, I would say, or just, they're just the way he thought. Like we could talk about uh, like the way Hitchcock set up a film or the way Spielberg's films look or the way Bergman's films look or Kurosawa or, or any of the, any of the just master directors. I think more so than any other a Bunuel film, regardless of its quality, because not all of his films are bangers particularly care for diary of a chambermaid or that obscure object object of desire all that much uh but they are unmistakably his in terms of like their their tone their um their sneer like it's it's almost always like you could hear that you could hear someone telling this story with a smirk on their face the entire time and you're not sure what they're smirking at and that's just that's what I love about his work um and and all of it has that even his silent surrealist masterpiece uh Unchen Andalou uh which was made kind of famous in the early 90s with a Pixies song (laughs) um yeah so I think the the last thing I want to talk about this movie is um the name of it Mm mm-hmm because it's funny that we completely talked about how like how much we like these characters. Yes. Um, and we didn't even acknowledge the name of this movie, which is the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie. Like it's the whole yes. idea is like these characters are the worst of the worst when it comes to society and how they treat other people and how they mooch off of everybody and how they drain mm-hmm. people. Yet they have a charm about them. When you're so, I mean, this guy um louise predicted reality tv before reality tv was really a thing right like this is oh what, yeah definitely what definitely. reality tv is, is like we're watching these rich people be idiots have like mm-hmm. the worst time of their life and we're like yeah this is great and we're like we're making whatever an hour and they're like billionaires <laughs> yep there they are they are the upper class that will never come near our our <laughs> our sections of society in fact they will sit in our restaurants and go man this menu's cheap that's suspect how come there's no one around when the menu's this cheap? I'm worried about that. Or we'll be their driver and they will come in and say, here, drink this martini. And then when you chug it, they're like, see, some people will just never have class. But uh, getting back to the title, like, I think, I think that's what, it, that's exactly what it is. It's like, they are, they are vain, loathsome folks. But for some reason, I like watching them get messed with yeah maybe that's the charm um i mean bunuel was definitely you know someone who had a ton of thoughts about about class and what all of that meant and uh definitely wanted to make films uh projecting his thoughts but he was what I, I think what I like about the most is the only clear thought that he ever really stated about himself was that he was a devout atheist and because of his devout atheism he had to pay more attention to god and i always found that funny 
yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty interesting way to see it. Yeah, but you you know, I think that's when you when you go out of your you when you go out of your way to show your disbelief in something. Of course, you have to know what believing in that looks like, or you have to understand the tenets of it so you don't stumble into oh my god, am I a believer all of a sudden? I'm glad you like this. I was genuinely worried. I was I was kind of waiting to open this show to a Matt what the fuck <laughs> no no I, I I think uh I think off the beaten path comedies are more uh more an interesting thing to me more than anything right now okay um so before we talk about what we're watching next mm-hmm. let's talk about what we've watched in the last week two weeks maybe yeah when did we, I don't remember when we record, but it's, I, you know, it's hard to keep up, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, and also we talk about the stuff that we watch in between episodes that also doesn't help us. Yeah, no, we, 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 we talk a surprising amount <laughs> and, and, and yeah. So um, what have you watched since maybe our last recording? I don't, did I talk about all that jazz last recording? No. Okay. I think you talked about cabaret. Okay, I'm gonna start with all that jazz then and skip okay. over a couple other things I've seen before that. Um, okay, I think all that jazz might be one of the best examples of how to tell your life story, but also fudge it at the same time. Um, oh, that sounds about right. That's because, that's Foss, right? Fosse. Yeah, it's, it's Bob Fosse's like basically he had like a i think a serious heart attack or something by the way i'm watching the i was watching the fossey movies as best i could trying mm-hmm. to follow the blank check podcast because they just covered fossey they're covering kubrick next um but um and i'm listening to them talk about it. i was like yeah he just like just suffered like a severe heart attack he was basically thinking he was gonna die within the next decade so he was like what if i just make a movie about me dying <laughs> And everybody's like, you sure about that? You sure you want to do that? You sure that's, that that would be cathartic for you? Um, and it's just it's just a fascinating thing knowing his history and then watching that movie and it being like very accurate, but also at the same time, like um I just we had his name because we were talking about the French connection. What is uh what is his name? Fernando Ray or, or uh, no, Roy no, Scheider. Roy Scheider, like he's so charming in that movie, even though he's an absolute mess. Because mm-hmm. uh, he plays the Bob Fosse character, like, um, yeah, he's he's just great, and I love that. Uh, Shredder just couldn't learn how to dance, so they had to cut around that whenever he did a musical number. Awesome. Um, yeah, I think that that movie, I think, is just something really special, and I don't think there will be anything quite like that ever again. Just because, I, like, when's the last? Like, I don't know any other directors that have directed their biopic and um, and about them dying in it too. Yeah, I don't. I yeah, I, I'm I'm I'd be at a loss as well. Um, and then I saw the newest Jordan Peele movie, Nope. Okay, how um, was that? I, it was uh, as a movie I still haven't stopped thinking about since I saw it uh, last week on Friday. Um, it's one of those movies that just has a lot of really smart decisions going on. A movie that shifts genre halfway through, and also like I'm trying to like not spoil anything slight spoilers Mm -hmm. for nope just slight spoilers for nope if anybody hasn't seen it yet um it's it's jaws it's alien jaws in a lot of ways oh okay um and i didn't know that until about quarter of the way through maybe that when i start piecing things together i'm like oh he and what's funny is we got we got a trailer before the movie that jaws was coming back to theaters in september for one day um 
so it's like i had that kind of already in my head but like yeah like like the way the movie like escalates like oh this is just this is just jaws with an alien um which is really 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 cool like i think it's i think it's a lot of fun Um, nice then i watched a 1949 movie called champion with kirk douglas okay where he plays a boxer and i think this is I have not watched Raging Bull yet, so maybe I'm just talking out my butt, but I know enough about Raging Bull to think this is the movie Scorsese stuff. And like, I want to make something just like this. That sounds, I would agree with that. I've not seen Champion, but I do know that that I'm I'm pretty sure in his documentary, A Personal Journey with Martin Scorsese through movies, he talks about how much he loved Kirk Douglas. Yeah, Champion is basically about a wrestler, or a wrestler, a boxer who doesn't want to become a boxer he has to just box one night to get out of some trouble and mm-hmm. an agent sees him and goes you know it'd be great if you had some training he's like yeah but i got a job elsewhere job does not turn out right he gets down on his luck again he's like you know what maybe i'll box and becomes the, the best boxer in the world and then like has a fall fall down and has to get back up right mm-hmm. um and then this uh last Sunday, now hang you know, on yeah. hang on hang on the, it, this is called the champion correct? 1949 oh sorry night is just called champion 1949 sorry no the Okay, and then I'm wondering if the movie Champ is a remake of that. It could be. Because I believe that's John Boy in the 70s. Let me look. It's from 1979. I believe it's, yeah, it's John Boy and Ricky Schroeder. Ricky Schroeder. Faye Dunaway's in it. Directed by Franco Zeffirelli. Hmm. I mean, um, this seems very similar, but I don't. I don't oh, think never mind. N- never mind. It is a remake of the 1931 King Vidor film. Weird. But th- but so I'm guessing Champion is probably more Cinderella Man than this. Yeah, probably. I would think that would okay. be the best bet. Um, especially like I think I know how Cinderella Man ends, and I think Champion ends very similarly. Um, okay. And then on this last Sunday, I had a nice double feature of Say Anything and High Fidelity. Ooh, the Cusack ones. Now let me let me ask you a question: Is John Cusack hard to work with? Is that the situation we're in right now? Because those two movies, he's the like the most electric actor. Um, say anything is maybe the nicest '80s romantic comedy I've ever seen in my life. Like, there's okay. nothing mean in that movie. No one's being mean no. to anybody. No one's being mean to races. No one's being mean. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no meanness in that movie. There's like some yeah. there's some situational stuff that happens. But like the worst that happens is her dad commits tax fraud. Like that's the worst thing that happens in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which is that really mean? No, not really. He, he's like, <laughs> and, he, and, the, and the, he gets like two years and he's fine in jail. He just can't dye his hair. Yeah. Yeah. He just, he just starts to look his age. Um, I don't know if John Cusack is hard to work with. I can't imagine. So I think he's brought now he's at a point in his career where he could just choose what he wants to do yeah i wonder if it became a nick cage situation where he got into just some debt and had to do direct to dvd movies for a while because he just needed that paycheck i don't know I don't, i'm just so curious because like he hasn't like done these type of movies in a while like, i think the last one that i know of at least is love and mercy and that came out like in 2014 i think um, well, yeah but that's also not in in the vein of high fidelity or say anything either so he's not really i, I think he's i think he's not doing those movies probably because he's aged out but well i mean like he, just like i feel like, like giving like giving it like you're all in those movies is like what i'm thinking of like he's really oh. like like there's a cusack charm turned on in those movies and i've seen other movies with him and i'm like he doesn't have it 
He doesn't have it turned on. No, that's true. That's true. Like um, uh, 1408, the Stephen King horror movie that he's in with uh, Samuel Jackson. Like that movie to each their own if they like it or not, because I know it's kind of a little polarizing if people like it or not. But mm-hmm. it, the Cusack charm is in that movie. I think Runaway Jury, the Cusack charm is in that movie. Like those movies, he's had, he has it going on. Yeah. And isn't he in Must Love Dogs as well? He might be. I think, I he's, think that. I'm pretty sure that's, that's, he's got, he's got that Cusack charm. High Fidelity is another one of those movies too, where everybody sucks in that movie, but you like them. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. They're all, they're all, they're all the worst. Um, like, especially Catherine Zeta Jones's character. She's awful. Oh yeah. But like the best way. Um, And mm-hmm. then to end uh, my movies, cause I watched like a half a movie, but I haven't finished it. So I'm not counting it, but i watched the thin man. Um, oh, okay, because um, there's a Miriam Loy um, Criterion collection right now, and they have two of the Thin Man movies in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I adore movies like this, I absolutely just I love a good mystery, I love a good noir setting, kind of, and I love a smart with quippy comedy between two really smart characters, and yeah. that's what the Thin Man franchise is. Um, uh, and it's just it's just good, it was a good time, it was a short, like hour 40, like and it wraps up really well and you're like ah this is great um yeah i just i have a good time i love the thin man the thin man's so good i'm playing i'm watching the second one and then i'll track down the rest later yeah i think there's like what six movies in that six or seven yeah six there's there's a lot uh i believe it's all the same main character yep and then they did a tv show without them and a radio series like it was a very popular franchise for a while uh so for me I watched a few things. Uh, I watched Wait Until Dark. I feel like I've heard of that movie. Which stars Audrey Hepburn and Alan Arkin. Oh, wow. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Those are two actors I don't think about working in the same era. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I believe it's from the 70s. I'm going to pull it up. Yeah, no, 1967. So this is this is young Alan Arkin, um, and Alan Arkin, motherfucker's doing some interesting work. Uh, he's always he's, doing interesting work. He's though. like, like it's really funny. I I don't remember when he. I don't remember when Stalag 17 was, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that might be right before this. But uh, Alan Arkin. He, his career has an arc and it's it's lovely uh but wait until dark is a is a really smart uh hitchcockian film i forget who it's directed by it is directed by terrence young it was on the criterion channel it, it is not there anymore uh and audrey hepburn uh is a blind woman and it's basically these three criminals that are trying to take uh, advantage of this blind woman because she has she has like a doll that has uh, smuggled drugs in it. Sorry to spoil it, but like most of the, the the tension in the movie comes from knowing all of that. Yeah, um, and it's really well done considering it's it's definitely i think it's from the same guy that wrote dial m for murder and it also has a lot of the same strategies of single set filmmaking that the movie rope does um which is 
easily one of my most favorite Hitchcock films. Probably not the top, but definitely Rope is so there. good. I was telling something about Rope this week. Rope rules. Um, if you like Rope, you'll like Wait Until Dark. Um, it's, it's it's definitely an Audrey Hepburn performance that I had not heard a ton about. And I actually think it's it, because I've not heard a ton about it. Uh, I feel like it's one of her more underrated roles. I don't think it's better than the romantic comedy she was in with Albert Finney called Two for the Road, which is an interesting take on the abusive couple. Again, but, uh, not thinking about Albert Finney being in the same era as Audrey Hepburn for some reason, even though like, yeah, of course, but my brain yeah. just doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine. Uh, I always forget who Albert Finney is until I see him on screen. Like even right, even talking about Two for the Road could not, could not describe Albert Finney's look. But when I see him on screen and hear him talk, Albert Finney. Um, but but yeah, uh, Wait Until Dark is wonderful. It's pretty, it's a pretty breezy 108 minutes. So it's not very taxing. Uh, Reba and I watched uh, another Alan Arkin movie called Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> what a fun movie. That movie, like... And that movie has everybody that's big right now. Yeah. That that movie, I I remember seeing it and just being head over heels in love with it and then just not watching it for years. And then coming back to it this time, I was like, I'm probably going to hate this movie. But I do not. It is is all, it is such, it has such an earnest heart. And... It is such a wonderful, it's a wonderful story about a, about a family completely down in its luck. I for, and I always forget how good of an act, like that movie made Paul Dano. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like his big break, right? Yeah. And, and, and now he's writing a Riddler comic for DC Comics. Yep. And I need to watch more Dano movies. Um, have you watched uh, Swiss Army Man yet? No, I have not. You should do a double feature of Swiss Army Man and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Because they're both by... Yes. They're both both by what? Uh, I was going to say they're both by the Daniels. Those are their two main features, so... Wait, wait, what? Uh, Swiss... The 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 Daniels. Daniels. Yeah, that's the directing duo for those two movies. They're called the the Daniels. They're both named Daniel. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. Um, No, uh, Swiss Army Man, that's the one with Daniel Radcliffe in the robe. Yeah. He's the oh no 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 that's that's guns akimbo uh swiss army man is the one where daniel radcliffe plays the corpse and he's, oh okay he's a corpse for the entire movie even corpse, better a corpse that <laughs> even better no I, I do need to watch swiss army man but uh, and, and i will i do need to watch everything everywhere all at once because uh the hype around that movie is real uh the last thing i watched is uh a movie that i've been well part of a movie that I've been obsessed with ever since I first saw it. Uh, it is Mr. Arkadin by, I haven't heard Orson, this one. by Orson Welles. It's on the Criterion channel. There act, there's no actual complete version of the film that was ever released. Uh, but the, on the, in the Criterion collection, there is uh, the spine for this movie has three versions of it. One of them is the Corinth version, which was distributed by Corinth Pictures. The other one is called Confidential Report, which I believe that's the one that came out in the US. And then there is the Criterion comprehensive version that includes everything from both movies. 
and like it's i've watched this movie way more than i've watched stalker <laughs> like way more than i've watched the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie it is something that is just completely i almost know it by heart and uh, and i keep trying to further unlock its secrets and anybody could watch it and be like yeah this movie kind of sucks i don't know what your point is matt and that's fine uh but i absolutely adore it i think it's one of wells's best performances i think it's a really good i think it's a really good like i'll say shark film mainly because you know who the villain is you yeah. know you know what the villain is out to do everything at the beginning of the movie is telegraphed to the end it is not it is not a difficult line to follow it is not a difficult guess to make but getting there is still one of my favorite i do love the journey of getting from that beginning to that end and i think each of the i'm not going to really go into the different versions because we could be here a while um i think each version does it differently in an okay way and the comprehensive version um i think it sets out to fill in some blanks but i'm I, i'm still not 100 convinced it does it all the way but i watched i did watch the corinth version this time i don't remember if i said that but uh but yeah i i, I like this film a lot um i like orson wells a lot yeah, I do too. I think, I think a fun experiment that we might do in the future is um, Netflix has the last movie he never completed, and they also have a documentary about that last movie in the process of completing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what it's called off the top of my head, um, but I would think it'd be interesting to do watch both of those and kind of just like talk about Orson Welles as the person, um, and then maybe one day watch Mank and talk about Mank and Citizen Kane. Um, mm-hmm. What was I going to say? That? Oh, but I think it's time to announce our next two movies because we kind of have a plan to head finally. Um, yes. Subject to change because we are people of uh, creatures of habit and nature and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, but bet next, on changes if it doesn't happen. Cool. Uh, next movie is going to be The Last Waltz by Martin Scorsese. Um, yes. Which wasn't on Criterion Channel until the end of last month, but sorry. Yep. Um, and then The Red Shoes, which I think oh, is yeah. still on the Criterion Channel. Yeah, I think I think the red shoes will probably be, I think that'll be one of the films that never actually leaves. Yeah, probably not. Um, so those will be our I know next it's one two. of the more popular ones. I own the red shoes and I have yet to watch it because uh, for some reason I keep on putting it on and going like I can't watch this right now. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for both of those. A, a music movie is one of those movies that we haven't done yet. I think that's gonna be fun. No, we really haven't. Um, um, anyway, Jesse. Yes. Where can the people find you? You can find me everywhere at Sleeper of the Bed. I promise I am working on things. I'm just trying to get back into the rotation after having to lay down in my bed every night for the last half a month. Um, and you can find this show on Twitter at FreeReelingIt and email us at anything you want, FreeReelingIt at gmail.com. Matthew, where can mm-hmm. people find you and everything you do? Yeah, you can find me at infinite underscore rewind on Twitter. Uh, and you can find um, me co-hosting other shows. One is called Story Route Zero. It's about video games. Uh, me and three friends just talk about what, what we're playing. And sometimes we cover news. Uh, another show I co-host is with Jesse's and my mutual friend, Caroline. It's called Trivial Merit. And Caroline and I use that show to make eight song playlists. 
uh, from a band or a musical style to get us and hopefully you from a negative mood to a positive one. And we do that every two weeks. Uh, we're on a bit of a delay because of just some life stuff and some technical stuff, but our next one is still Beach House. And I will keep people posted on that show's Twitter, which is at Trivial Merit. And uh, once we're able to record that, we will. The other show that I am fortunate enough to be part of is called the Bald Gun Guy Podcast. Six and Ty over at Scanline Media have allowed me to join them. It is a playthrough podcast of the modern Hitman trilogy, the World of Assassination trilogy. We are in the middle of Hitman 2. We're about to go into the final mission, uh, but the next episode up is Whittleton Creek. It'll be released shortly. I'm not 100% certain uh, when that'll go up, but you'll hear, you'll probably see it retweeted from me and probably here and probably Trivial Merit because I have access to those feeds. <laughs> and then, yeah, who does our music? That, and then I was, I was, I didn't know if you were going to ask or if you were waiting for me to just go for it. It's my buddy Jason. He has. Not only has he graduated nursing school now, Jesse, he passed his national exam. So he is actually a nurse. That's pretty cool. Now you guys yeah. can be nurse buddies. I'm an x-ray tech though. I mean, I just, I just. There's a blood it. feud between nurses and x-ray tech. I was about to say, I just assumed that they were like, we're all against doctors, but. <laughs> well, lately, uh, <laughs> late, I'm not going to go into that, but no, he's, he's, uh, He's my best. He's he's my bestest bud, and he uh, did our theme song. It's on his album Bloodshed Kingdom. Uh, it's a very good reggae album, predominantly instrumental. Uh, he was also part of a duo called the Hope Street Teppers, which did a very similar type of vibe in 2013 with their album Black Lightning. Check him out. He's on Spotify at uh, Dead Eye. Uh, it's D-E-A-D dash, the letter I, all caps when you spell the man's name. You can find him on Instagram at Deadeye Productions, all one word. Well, Matthew, it seems like we have survived another episode and no one has robbed to kill us. So I think it's time for us to have a nice steak dinner, something that we have deserved all day. I don't eat steak. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs>